Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3 on 3 Blazers. The tank is in full effect. Back to back to back 30 point plus blowouts. We're going to look ahead at the future, too, especially the offseason. Ping pong balls in the future, just maybe. And Jared Cowley is about to introduce a new segment. Let's stop messing around and start the show. Oh, it is so good to be back. Downtown Portland, Oregon, inside the KGW studios. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley. Jared, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, The Blazers are back to doing what I wanted them to do, which is nice. (laughs) Uh, I think on our last podcast, I had resigned myself to the possibility that they were just going to win all these games. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the games as they come and, you know, come what may. But this is what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to tank. I want them to have high draft picks in this coming NBA draft. And and they did it. You know, they sat Yusuf Nurkic down with uh, plantar fasciitis (laughs) and something that I was looking into that. You had, I think it was uh, Goran Dragic back in the 2020 NBA Finals. He tore his plantar <laughs> fascia in game one and came mm-hmm. back in, like, game five. And, you know, this isn't a tear for Nurkic or anything. Like right. The fact that he's missing a month and probably the rest of the season, this is all about the tank. So they're doing what they need to do. The front office is making the decisions that needed to happen so that they can put themselves in the right position to get the best player in the draft or a high draft pick that they can trade and that's what I wanted. So I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. Yusuf Nurkic has never been so relatable to the common man, especially <laughs> here in Portland, Oregon. That is right. You know, if it wasn't his, you know, love for coffee, I, <laughs> now having this, uh, you know, injury, I had multiple people, viewers here at our TV station in Portland at KGW who were like, hey, I've dealt with that, man. It's not fun. Yep. You know? So I, everyone's I like, all right, Nurk. <laughs> I have plantar fasciitis. Yeah, see, so I, I know what he's going through. When I, <laughs> when I wake up in the morning and try to walk down the stairs, it is, it's a painful <laughs> endeavor. So um, now, you know, Nurk gets to look good on the sidelines, uh, break out some of those custom suits he's got, and, you know, and enjoy the show. The Blazers, 25 and 37, they're 11th place 
in the West. They're a game ahead of the Spurs, a game behind the Pelicans. They're on a three-game losing streak. They've lost by 30 or more in each of those three games, which is what you want to see if you've been rooting for the tank, you know. That that four-game win streak before the All-Star break had people a little nervous if you were in favor of the tank, but now it looks like it is full steam ahead with 20 games left in the regular season for the Portland Trail Blazers. So in a in a good spot to make sure they keep that draft pick. They are within reach of having the fifth or sixth worst record in the league by the time this is all said and done. Mm. I don't know if they can reach for OKC has five fewer wins. That's going to be – I mean, OKC – They'll surprise you now and then. I mean, I could see them. <laughs> I could see. I don't know when the Blazers are going to win another game. I mean, this roster, I think this is the worst roster in the NBA right now. <laughs> they could they could finish the season 0-23. But I think that, you know, they're, they have one more win than the Spurs. They have two more wins than the Kings, three more than the Pacers. I mean, I think they could easily get to the fifth worst record in the league. And if that happens, then they have a 42% chance of landing a top four pick. Man, that jumps pretty awesome. That number yeah. jumps significantly because right now it's like 5% chance. Uh, right now, so that's where the number one pick. Right now they have a 23% chance of a top four, a 5% chance of a, the number one pick. If they got up and had to the fifth worst record in the league, they'd have a 42% chance of a top four pick and a 10.5% chance of the number one pick. <laughs> I was telling you uh, before the podcast, before we started recording, man, I should have never discovered Tankathon because <laughs> that's where I am right now. <laughs> I have my phone open to Tankathon right now. It's my so much fun. It's like hovering over the sim lottery button. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are we going to do today? Oh, yeah, I know. Let's go ahead and sim. All right, let's do it. Yes, what are we, sim what are we getting? Sim lottery. Here it goes. Here it goes. What do oh, we get, man? No, they fell down to the 10th pick. Where are the Pelicans at? Yeah, the Pelicans 11. So they got the 10th and the 11th pick. Oh, that's not that fun. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, man. So, you know, it's good to be back on the podcast. It's been a little bit of a while uh, since we've done this, but, um, man, like the, the path is pretty clear now. Um, even though it kind of was back then, there was still, you know, just a little bit of doubt because they were winning games. And, you know, now with Yusuf Nurkic out, and I want to say there's probably seven or eight players on the injury list, the most recent one that, that they send to uh, media members like us. So um, it's it's pretty clear that, this is a time where you get to enjoy a lot of the younger guys. Um, now that Anthony Simons is a seasoned vet, <laughs> yeah, all 22 years. Old. Yeah, man. Um, so I think now's a a good time, really, because we're going to cover a lot. Um, you know, past, present, future. I guess uh, of this season and the current state of the Blazers with a brand new segment that Jared is going to introduce to us today, man. So I'll let you have the floor. Awesome. Yeah, you and I have been talking really since, you know, Nate and Max left. That we needed to come up with a new game for this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Long-time listeners, you're going to remember Rip It. And Rip It, that was a game. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to play that at the end of each episode of 3-on-3 Three Three Blazers. It was a ton of fun. There, there were usually uh, there were winners, usually Orlando. Uh, there were you losers, usually me. And then there were... <laughs> And there were hecklers. <laughs> it was usually Nate. Or actually, it was always Nate. 
we retired that game after Nate and Max left because Max was really the architect of Rip It, mm-hmm. and it didn't real feel right continuing it without him and without Nate. So I guess this isn't really a game because there aren't going to be losers or winners or prizes or anything like that. Um, this is more kind of a recurring segment that we're going to try and bring back on every episode. And this new segment is called Worried or Not Worried. And the way I came up with this idea is I was thinking about whenever we've taken listener questions in the past or when I listen to mailbag episodes on, you know, Locked on Blazers or Jack Ramsey's or other podcasts, so often so many of the questions do start with some variation of the phrase of are you worried about or should fans be worried about or should I be worried about? So that led me to think, let's just make a segment that kind of takes the hot topics of the week in Blazers land and ask whether we are worried about them or not or whether fans should be worried about them or not. So for this segment, I think going forward, we're going to have like two subjects or topics. Uh, we'll lay out the scenario and then we'll just ask, are you worried or are you not worried? And we'll answer that and give our reasons why. Today, to kind of kick it off, I think we're just going to dedicate the entire episode to this segment. Uh, we're expanding the number of subjects or topics for this episode. But going forward, we'll have this segment at like the beginning or the end of the episode. Uh, not sure which yet. And it'll be condensed down to just a couple subjects or topics. But that is more than enough explanation. Let's just get this started. I'm going to go ahead and lay out. We're going to try and we have seven segment or seven topics today. We're going to try and keep it to about five minutes each so we don't go too long on this episode. But here are the topics we're going to talk about. I'll just lay them out and then we'll go through them. Uh, topic number one, we're going to talk about Anthony Simons and Josh Hart. Topic number two, we're going to talk about a couple of the new guys and Keon Johnson and Elijah Hughes. Topic number three, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Topic number four, Blazers draft picks. Five, Damian Lillard's Supermax extension. Number six, does Ant and Dame equal Dame and CJ? And number seven, we're going to talk about Yusuf Nurkic. So let's start number one, Anthony Simons and Josh Hart. In the past three games, since Nurkic sat down, and let's be honest, the tank began in earnest, (laughs) the statistical impact for both Anthony Simons and Josh Hart has declined considerably. If you look at Anthony Simons' stats in the 23 games between January 3rd and February 16th, that stretch we've talked about a lot on this podcast, he averaged 36 minutes a game. I'm just going to round up or down on these stats, 24 points, three rebounds, six assists, shot 46% from the field, 42% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. The past three games, his minutes are down to 29, points are down to 17, rebounds are down to 1.7, assists are down to four, and he's shooting 38% from the field, 40% from three, and 85% from the line. Josh Hart, his first three games with Portland, we knew that he was playing out of his mind. Mm -hmm. 37 minutes a game, 24 points, five boards, four assists, 60% from the field, 52% from three, 77% from the line. But the past three games, minutes down to 27, points down to 11. Rebounds and assists, about five and four, they're about the same. But his field goal percentage is 38% from the field, uh, .0673, like 6% from three and 73% from the line. So, Orlando, are you worried or not worried about the recent, let's just call it what it is, poor play of Anthony Simons and Josh Hart? I'm glad that you started off with an easy one in my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not worried at all. Uh, No. In fact, I think seeing the way they played when this team was closer to full strength is a better idea of what, 
they're going to be. Now, to your point, Josh Hart did play out of his mind, and we knew Especially it just wasn't sustainable. Yeah, 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 it just yeah. wasn't sustainable. It wasn't realistic. So we knew that those numbers were going to come down a little bit. But we got an idea of what his role could potentially be, uh, minus Damian Lillard, obviously. But um, he's a really good player. And um, I had some reservations when the deal was made. How is he going to fit in? Mm. Um, is he going to be here long term? What will his role be? And now I'm like, man, if he could be this team's sixth man. Oh, yeah. Uh, dude, I think that's wonderful. And then Anthony Simons. No, <laughs> dude. <laughs> no, I mean, the, du- the dude is, is a bucket getter. And in fact, I think that this, you know, slump or bad play that, that he's experiencing now is going to be great for his development. Um, you know, since they don't practice a whole lot during the season. In a lot of ways, these are practices for the Blazers, especially guys that are going to be here for, you know, the long-term future, the very few of them, I believe, yeah. uh, that, that will be here in, in a few years. And for Anthony, to see the defenses that uh, he's facing now, uh, I think it was Mike Richmond that pointed this out and multiple people, but I, I haven't heard heard of a boxing one since high school. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since, okay. since uh, I've, I've truly, you know, I'm joking a little bit, but... Um, the fact that, you know, the opponents are basically saying, all right, Anthony is the guy and we're going to do whatever it takes to, to make sure that he's not, he doesn't get going. Um, I think this is huge for his development, man. And, and a, a sample of what it's like to be the guy to get the Dame treatment on a nightly basis. He felt the wrath of that a little bit as teams were blitzing him when, you know, Dame was going back and forth with the abdominal injury. But now that it's him... And he's proven that uh, if he gets going, like, he can win you the game. Yeah. Um, like we saw in those four-game win streaks. I mean, I know Nurk was a huge part of that. But the, the dude, once he gets going, it just feels like the rim opens up and it's just whatever he throws at it is going through the net. So long story short there, Jared, not worried whatsoever. How about you, man? I, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I am not worried. I don't think that – Whatever happens in these final 23 games since the tank really began, mm-hmm. when it comes to the players who are going to be a big part of this team next season, I'm not worried about anything that we see statistically from them. And I want to see what these two do when they are both, like you said, the focus of defensive game plans. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I really do think this is the worst roster in the NBA. I think the Blazers right now have two legitimate NBA rotation players playing basketball for them right now. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, maybe Trendon Watford could qualify. But even then, I mean, I think if the Blazers are good next season. He's like 14 or 13. Yeah, he's going to be a really deep rotation player mm-hmm. at best. So they have two legitimate NBA rotation players. So, no, I mean, the, the, the talent you have around you does matter. And if you're having defenses not have to worry about a single other player on the court other than those two, then it's going to be more difficult for them to get going. And also, because the Blazers are losing by 30 points every night, <laughs> their minutes are going to be down. They're right. not going to play that much. They're not playing the fourth quarter. They're going to be pulled like halfway through the third quarter. I mean, it's just, it's just the like, way it's going to se- be. Selfishly for Anthony, me, looking at <laughs> Anthony, I'm like, Coach, you're messing with his numbers. <laughs> we need to crank those suckers up. That's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Getting him some run out there in the yes. fourth quarter. Yes. But no, it's good. I'm not worried about that at all. All right, let's move on to number two, the new guys. So we know uh, Blazers veteran acquisitions at the trade deadline, Hart, who we already talked about, and Justice Winslow, they've been fine about what we expected with both of them. 
maybe even a little better than we expected with Winslow. But Portland also acquired a few young players in those trades, and the early results have been underwhelming, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's exclude Didi Lozada because he hasn't played and likely will not play this season. But here's a quick look at the stats for Keon Johnson and Elijah Hughes. Mm-hmm. Keon Johnson, who came over in the Clippers trade, three games he's played with the Blazers right now, 21 minutes per game. He's averaging, we'll just round up, three points, three rebounds, and an assist. But here's where it gets ugly. He's shooting 14% from the field. Ouch. 0% from three. Oh, no. He's made all his free throws. That's three for 21 from the field and 0 of 5 on threes. Elijah Hughes has played six games with the Blazers. He came over in the trade that uh, with the Jazz um, that brought um, Ingles. Ingles here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, he's playing 14 minutes a game in six games, uh, three points, two rebounds, less than an assist per game. He's shooting 23% from three. 17% from uh 23% from the field, I'm sorry, 3% 17% from 3 and uh I don't think he shot a free throw. 8 for 34 from the field, 4 of 23 from 3. So, I don't know what we really thought about these two before. I know that I was certainly intrigued and interested by Keon Johnson, but are you worried or not worried about the NBA viability of these two young prospects the Blazers got in trades at the deadline? This one's a little more interesting. Uh, we're going into the weeds here. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I'm gonna keep this. A, I'm gonna keep this tight. Um, but I think this is really depends on what your expectations were of these guys. Like, what what did you truly want to see out of a rookie and a second year player? Right, Hughes is. <laughs> I mean, with Keon Johnson, I was. I, I know that his offense is is raw, as mm-hmm. we heard, but. Uh, a total of three for 26 from the field and from three. That's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess it, it, it's time to see what these guys are made of, and so far you, you don't like what, what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to, to choose a side in the game, I'm going to go worried. But they're so far down on my radar. I guess Keon Johnson was was looked at as this um, you know big asset that maybe could be part of a a deal in the yeah. future, or maybe you have, you know, a guy that can really step in and play some minutes, um, you know, as a player that fits positional need defensively from that side, it, you don't like what you see so far. So I'm optimistic that these guys can get it going, but right now I'm going to say I, I would be worried um, if you were banking on one or two of these dudes uh, working out for you and, and maybe, creating some buzz or interest, you know, where other teams see him and you're like, oh, right. Right. this is a guy that, that we could use. Maybe we can include him in a package deal. How about you? Yeah, I think it. I, I think that's why I'd be a little bit worried by, and I mean, it's such a small sample size, but, you know, Keon Johnson was looked at as in that trade with the Clippers, who a lot of people are very critical of. He was the value add in that trade. Mm-hmm. He was the first round pick equivalent because he was the 21st pick in the draft last year Mm -hmm. and I think that it's hard to imagine other teams seeing him unless like unless a team that was in the top 10 or like valued him or projected him as like a top 10 talent before the draft last season still believes in him it's hard for me to believe that based on one what he showed in Los Angeles before he came to Portland this season as a rookie and then what he's shown 
so far with the Blazers, that other teams are going to look at him and be like, yeah, I'd like that guy to be put into this deal to kind of sweeten the pot when the Blazers are trying to tra- make trades this summer. So I think that when I was looking at him as the equivalent of a first-round pick in that trade based on that, then, yeah, I'm a little bit worried because you definitely see the athleticism with mm-hmm. him. I think that you do see the defensive potential, but, man, the offense is is rough. Mm-hmm. As far as Elijah Hughes, I kind of do feel like he was kind of just, you know, a former second-round pick that was thrown into the trade. Um, I don't – I didn't have any kind of high expectations for him, so I'm not really worried about that. But, yeah, what I've seen from Keon Johnson, I, I would like to see him – he's young, I get it, but uh, just a little bit more to his game than what he's shown so far. Number three, let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. This one should be fun. This one's more interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on this one. So, you know, I mean <laughs> – we are very interested. The Blazers are very interested in what the Pelicans do the rest of the season. Just to recap, the first-round pick that Portland got in the C.J. McCollum trade only conveys to the Blazers if the Pelicans miss the playoffs. Play-in doesn't matter. If they make the play-in and miss the playoffs, that does not matter. And their draft pick then falls between number 5 and number 14 because if it's in the top four, it goes to the Pelicans. So if the draft pick doesn't convey this season, then it's a 2025 first-round pick from the Bucks. And that's not the same value because the Bucks do look like they're going to be good for a while. So here's where the Pelicans currently stand. Since the All-Star break, they have won three in a row, beating the Suns, Lakers, and Kings. In those three games, they are a plus 73. And they're right now in 10th place, a game ahead of the Blazers, two ahead of the Spurs, just a game and a half behind the Lakers now for ninth. I think eight and seven is out of reach. They're six games behind the Clippers and seven and a half behind the T-Wolves. So are you worried, Orlando, or not worried about the Pelicans pick not conveying to the Blazers this season? Dude, they they could catch the Lakers. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the further they move up, and, and the CJ has played pretty well. He's shot pretty well. Um, him and Ingram together, that's fun. What's the status on Zion? Um, there is no status yeah. that anyone knows. Yeah, I don't expect him to be back this season. I'm. <laughs> this this is a good one because yeah, I was I was thinking about uh, about this um, as I I root for them to to lose. You know. Yeah. I'm it's a like little, you have to root for them to lose, but not lose, but not lose too much. Right. We don't need those odds to to increase the right. way we want the Blazers' odds to increase for those top four picks. Exactly. <laughs> I love I love explaining this like I I'm basically doing a sports cast like e- every night where I <laughs> drop this in somehow. Right. It's like let's take a look at the Pelicans or all right here's why we want the Blazers to lose tonight right, you know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I I think that if I if I'm taking a side, I'm a little worried. Mm. I'm a little worried that the Pelicans are going to mess around and end up in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough one because before the the break. They had, I think they were one and four mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, since the CJ trade. Um, it didn't seem like CJ and Brandon Ingram were really meshing, mm-hmm. but now they are. Yep. Now they're, you know, they're both playing great alongside each other. And, you know, I mean, the Lakers and the Kings, neither of those are very impressive wins in my mind because both of those teams are playing so poorly right now. But still, to be a plus seventy-three, I mean that <laughs> you're cooking. You can't fake that. I mean, the thing that you got to think about is for the Pelicans to make the playoffs, 
you don't want them to just lose a bunch of games and, and get one of those top four picks. Mm-hmm. But for them to make the playoffs, whether they're eight, I mean, whether they're uh, 10 or nine, whether they catch the Lakers or not, they have to beat the Lakers or whoever else is in, you know, that nine, 10 spot. And then they have to go after that and they have to beat the, the loser of the seven, eight game. Mm-hmm. So right now, seven would be Minnesota, eight Clippers, right. nine Lakers, 10. So, oh, yeah. So, like, if it happened right now, they'd have to beat the Lakers, which I could see them doing. Mm-hmm. But then they have to go and beat either the the Timberwolves or the Clippers. Mm-hmm. That's still a tough road, but I think it's a road that, like, you know how CJ can get in the playoffs mm-hmm. if he gets hot. Um, I mean, they're they're a good team. <laughs> they're an interesting team. So, yeah, I'm worried. Yeah, it's no longer I'm worried like – worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't so worried about it before because they were losing. But now that they're playing like this, I could see them reeling off a couple wins against the Lakers and, like, the T-Wolves or the Clippers or something. Yeah, because more likely than not, they're going to be in the play-in. Yeah, and I think so. The only thing I could see is I, I think the Spurs could possibly – I mean, it would take the Pelicans, like, slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the Spurs could possibly catch them because I think the Spurs are going to be good down the stretch. But I don't know. We'll see. And the, the Pelicans – the Pelicans' last three games are against the Blazers, Grizzlies, and Warriors. Yeah. For what that's worth. Blazers, Grizzlies, Warriors. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like there's there's some some wins in here, but like their schedule's decent. I'm gonna uh, look the rest at, uh, the rest of the way. Tankathon also does um, a remaining strength of schedule. Uh huh. I'm gonna look and see. I know before they have the, like one of the hardest remaining schedules. So. Yeah, their next three is Utah, Denver, Memphis. So I mean. That's that's a tough three-game stretch. So right now, their remaining schedule is... Okay, so it's gone down a little bit. It's like right right in the middle. Mm-hmm. 16th hardest remaining schedule. The Blazers, of course, have the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness they're as bad yeah. as they are. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> or else... Uh, uh, Anthony's going to be on that list somehow, some way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll get we'll get some more. I think Keon Johnson and, and Hughes playing time, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to happen regardless. <laughs> I think that still the most realistic scenario is that the, the I think the mil- most realistic scenario is they make the play in and don't get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But with the way they're playing right now, I'm definitely a lot more worried than I used to be. Playoff CJ, you need to chill, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Denver Nuggets a few years ago, you need to chill. <laughs> we, that's not what P- Portland wants to see right now. All right, so we're both worried about the Pels. Yep. All right, uh, let's move on to a related topic. Number four here, Blazers draft picks. Every Blazers <laughs> fan in the world is holding out hope that everything falls Portland's way between now and the draft. We want them to keep losing games. We want them to end up with one of the five or six worst records like we talked about and then get a little bit of lottery luck to get a top three pick. We want the Pelicans to miss the playoffs but not be bad enough or <laughs> lucky enough to get a top four pick. But things could also go sideways. I don't think we talk about this or think about it as much as we should. The Pelicans could make the playoffs or they just miss out and the pick is just 10th or 11th. The Blazers could get bad luck in the lottery and fall back just like we did. We just ran the the lottery simulator and the Blazers ended up with 10 and 11 in the uh, you know in the picks that could happen um what if the Blazers don't have good luck what if they end up with a 10th <laughs> pick and no pick from the Pelicans or something like picks 9 and 11 if the Blazers don't get lucky with these two potential lottery picks are you worried or not worried that the Blazers then won't have the assets to make moves to build a solid 
winning roster around Dame. Dude, I was thinking about, you know, life philosophies <laughs> and, you know, how so many players, you know, will mention, well, I'm, I'm not going to stress about the things I can't control. And in a lot of ways, I try and live my life <laughs> on, under those circumstances, man. And oof, like there are so many scenarios, variables yes. and, and scenarios yep, yep, here yep. Uh, that you're just hoping. And with that being said, as somebody who has hit the simulate button multiple times <laughs> and it has not worked out for the Blazers so far uh, in my world, I, I am worried because there are just so many things that could happen here. You're hoping the stars align and that you end up with a top four and the Pelic- Pelicans fall to you at number five. <laughs> right. Like that's like the <laughs> ultimate, right? <Yep. laughs> um, but there are so many more scenarios yes. uh, that are opposite of that. And, um, you know, there, there's a, an entire disaster that, that could happen if the Pelicans make the playoffs somehow, you know. Uh, so, yeah, right now I, I'm worried about it. And I was even really hyping this up within um, our newsroom and, and our anchors that I was like, man, the, the, the lottery is going to be one of the biggest days yeah, in Portland in, in quite some time for, for basketball. Because so much of the future is tied up in ping pong balls. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried. Especially if the Pels make the playoffs. Dude. We already both said we're worried about. Totally. Yeah, of course I'm worried. And I think with this, I mean, what this comes down to is if they end up with just one pick, their own, and it's, you know, nine or ten, and they don't get the Pels pick, Mm -hmm. or if they end up with, like, say, ten and Mm eleven, that severely limits what they can do in the off season, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting one of those. Maybe you luck out and, and make a good pick in the draft, but you don't have access to those top flight talents. Like the top of this draft is good. Like if they were to get Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith or Paolo Boncaro, like those are really good players that you could build around. They're the kind of young players that like you could put next to Dame. And as Dame gets older and in the twilight of his career, and those guys get better and better that could you could build like a really good team around that along with ant and the other pieces that they have but then if you end up with just one lottery pick or a couple late lottery picks i mean look at what the maybe compare it to like what the warriors had last season mm-hmm. they had the 7th pick and they had the 14th pick the 14th pick they drafted i mean they they tried to they shopped those two picks and found nothing of interest and then they drafted Moses Moody with the 14th pick, who has done really nothing this season. And then they got Kaminga with the the seventh pick, and he's he looks good, he looks promising, he looks interesting, but he's also still just a reserve, mm-hmm. who's not really impacting them very much at all on the court. So that's what if that's the way it ends up, then that's kind of what you're looking at. And maybe you could turn around and trade, like if you had nine and ten or ten and eleven, maybe you could take those two picks and trade them for Jeremy Grant, but then. That's it. That's right. pretty much your off season, and how much better does that really make the Blazers? Then they're kind of probably just about about where they were before they made all these moves. So so much depends on luck for mm-hmm. this team right now. They put themselves in a position where they do have a chance at luck, you know, favoring them. But everything depends on those lottery balls. Everything depends on, you know, how it works with the Pelicans going forward. So, yeah, I'm worried about that for sure. Man, uh, that's going to be a really fun one. And for the listeners out there, uh, feel free to, to tweet at us with some of these because I'd be curious. Maybe we can tweet out something later and, yeah. and, and maybe 
take a couple of these key ones and say, worried or not worried, what do you think? Yeah. And if you want, you know, uh, give us your opinion as well. Because I think that uh, the Blazers draft pick and the Pelicans specifically um, becomes way more pressing as we, you know, chip off games yeah. down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm sure we're going to have more discussions on that. So I won't I won't take up too much more time on that because I'm sure we'll probably end up having a deep dive podcast oh, yeah. on that because that's really the main event. Yeah, we're going to bring that up many more times between now and and the the draft lottery. Uh, okay, let's move on. Number five, Damian Lillard's extension. We talked about this a little bit on a previous podcast, but we're going to circle back to it, and I'm sure it's going to come up again many times between now and this summer. We know that Damian Lillard is eligible to sign a two-year Supermax extension this summer, which would tack on an additional $107 million under the end of Dame's current deal. Dame would then be making $50 million plus in both the 2025-26 season when he's 35 years old and the 2026-27 season when he's 36. We know from reporting that Lillard wants that extension. So, Orlando, are you worried or not worried about the Blazers granting Lillard that extension this offseason? For me, no. Not at all? Mm-mm. No worry at all? No. Uh, I understand there's so much in limbo, right? Like, if this year, if the offseason turns out to be a disaster, Dame's probably gone anyway. So you're probably having this discussion with him. Um, I just, at this point, right now, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. If you believe in Dame, if, if the goal is to build around him, this is part of the process in building around Damian Lillard. If you love Damian Lillard as, as a Portland Trailblazer, if you want to see him retire here, um, this is part of the deal. Um, if you're, I understand the concern of an aging player, right? But I think someone like Dame and his game translates well for years. I don't think there's going to be, unless... This turns out to be an injury that he just can't get over, which I doubt. I don't think this is what takes him takes him down. I think you're dealing with an all-NBA player for multiple years. Um, and what gives me hope is seeing what the Phoenix Suns have done. I think that's been kind of a blueprint. Yeah. Um, even in terms of what they did in the draft with Aiton, you know, obviously it takes a lot of luck, as we've mentioned earlier, and the stars have to align. But you, you have your your superstar, experienced, veteran, high IQ player that gets it done in Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. Then you have a Devin Booker. Oh, wait, you've got an Anthony Simons who's 22 years old um, with a, a ceiling that is Damian-esque. Yeah. And then you pair that with whoever your draft pick is or whatever you get in return to those draft picks. Like, there, there, there's a lot of promise in that, and I think that Damian Lillard can still be the centerpiece of that. And you've got to be able to prove that you can bring in power forward and all of the, the needs that they haven't been able to address in the past seven, eight years. But um, at this point, in signing Damian Lillard, if that is your plan, if that is what you believe in, go for it. Get it done. Now, if Dame has, if there's doubts, then of course you're, you're not doing it. you know. But for me, right now at this point, in March of 2022, no. No worry. Not not worried about that. How about you? I'm a little worried about it. And I I hear everything you're saying and I think I think Dame comes back and is a you know, a top ten level player again next season. I think he comes back really strong from this injury. I think that it's interesting that he's played with this for four years and you've 
you've heard him say multiple times that he had no idea how injured he actually was until he got the surgery. Yeah, when your doc now. when your doctor is telling you how how are you doing this? Right. So I I expect him to come back as good or better than he was before the surgery. I think where my concern lies and why I'm worried is that I don't know if this is going to work out. Mm -hmm. They're trying to build a championship roster around Dame. I still believe that that's what Dame wants. I don't know if he has transitioned from what he was last summer where he was saying we need to have a championship roster Mm -hmm. to now where he's just like, yeah, I'll stay in Portland even if we're not you know, a championship contender. I still think that he wants a championship. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm not thoroughly convinced, as much as I like all the moves that Joe Cronin has made and the flexibility that he's created and the opportunities he's given this team to build around Dame, I still don't know if it's going to work out, if they're going to be able to build a roster that's that's that much better than what they were. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Which is a first-round team, maybe a second-round team. And so if that happens and Dame then decides in a year or two that, like, I've done everything I can, I'm, I'm ready to move on, if you then tack on that extra $107 million for age 35 and age 36 season, how does that impact his trade value if he does ask out? And that's what concerns me because I really think it's important that, one, they're positioning themselves to do everything they can to try and build a championship roster around Dame – but that if that doesn't work out and Dame asks out that you're able to then maximize the rebuild that you're immediately going into. And the way to maximize that is to get as much as you can in a trade for Dame if that if it comes to that. And I don't know if that Supermax extension is going to make that harder for the Blazers to do if it comes to that. So I, I keep thinking about that. I keep going back to it. And I understand. I think they have to give him that Supermax extension if that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. But it does concern me about what that could mean for the team going forward. And I am I think that I am definitely looking ahead a year or two. Or, mm-hmm. um, but it is – you have to look ahead that far. Sure. Because he's coming to the last few years of his career, I think. Yeah. And, you know, naturally, if you're looking at this on a piece of paper, um, you know that you hit your early 30s and th- yeah. the decline begins. Like Chris Paul is the exception. Right. Not like every like superstar point guard continues to play at an all-star level into age 35, age 36 like Paul is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, most was, of them don't. Yeah. I mean, Paul's 36, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm very interested to see um, how you'll feel after we get through the summer. Yeah. You know, like what does this team look like? And how I'll feel – when I see Dame back on the court next season. Right. Because he could end up being another one of those exceptions, which I kind of think he is. He could be, yeah. Um, because so much about his game is the kind of thing that usually does age well. But I know you're not alone. I think there's a ton of Blazers fans that are worried about this topic, um, looking ahead at the future and thinking, well, what what is the max we could get? And what is the most valuable piece that we have here that – in, could set us up for the future. Right. So I, I understand that. Um, and if that ends up being the plan when they get to this fork in the road and Cronin has to make a decision, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that it once was just a couple of years ago where that would have been like super laughable. Yeah. And now it's a legitimate discussion that is taking place within Blazers fans. Uh, so yeah, let's, 
Let's circle back on that one. Yeah, we will. I- I'm going to love that. We will. Number six, do Ant and Dame equal Ant? I'm sorry, do uh, Ant and Dame equal Dame and CJ? Uh, we talked about this one on a recent podcast, too, but I do want to bring it up again, and I think we'll probably talk about it again <laughs> a lot between now and next season because Anthony Simons is 6'3". CJ McCollum is 6'3". Are you worried or not worried, Orlando, about the Blazers committing to another, yet another, six-foot <laughs> three backward it's the definition of insanity right <laughs> doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and man i i, I, I told you man i'm i'm gonna Ooh, people are gonna people are they let me have it you know for, for <laughs> the receipts will be there but i'm not worried i'm not worried for me my argument will be it's who you surround them with yeah. if if those are your two best players uh if those are your buckets Surround them with, with guys that compliment them. Don't bring in another 6'3 guy <laughs> to compliment them. Please, no. You know, so th- that's where I stand on this, and that's, that's a hill that I'll probably die on um, with the Trailblazers because to a fault, I felt the same way about Damon CJ. Um, and if Anthony's ceiling is higher than CJ's and, you know, they have the potential to be one of the best backcourts in the NBA. So, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with not worried. What says you? I think I think I'm more um in the not worried camp than the worried camp, but I'm certainly not like all the way there because there is no denying that Dame is six three and a terrible defensive player and as of right now Ant is also six three and also a terrible defensive player. Mm-hmm. And and we we saw this for eight years. Mm-hmm. With Dame and CJ, and as many great moments as there were with those two, and as much as we love them, like we know what the ceiling was because of their defensive limitations. And you're right, it is about the players they put around them. But I think the reason I'm going to choose to put myself in the not worried camp is because I'm not going to consider the alternative, which is you don't bring back Anthony Simons Mm -hmm. and make him the future of this franchise. That's, I would be much more worried about that mm. than about moving forward with Dame and Ant as your starting backcourt. And if you, I mean, Nas, Nasir Little already has shown himself to be an improving defensive player who has the potential to be a very good defensive wing, you know, who can start at the three or play a lot of minutes, you know, off the bench as, as a, a forward. Josh Hart is a very good defensive player if you're playing him all of his minutes at the one and the two that helps you, you know, when, when Dame or, C, uh, or Ant is on the bench, then you have a stalwart defensive player next to them. Um, if you can bring in, I know not everybody is super high on Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. but I think that he's exactly the kind of player you need to put next to a backcourt like Dame and Ant because of his defensive versati- uh, versatility. He is such a good defensive four who can, you know, switch between both forward positions and probably even, you know, shift over to center sometimes. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go not worried. but <laughs> I just, see you, man. I see you keeps, struggling with it. It keeps popping up into my brain. Like just, <laughs> it's like that, spider, that I, Spider-Man movie. You, you trying to push your inner Nate out right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's like all these texts that Nate keeps sending me. <laughs> Just mocking me <laughs> relentlessly for my 
Blazers optimism. Like you said, man, it's it's all expectation. Yep. If, if you ride the wave right now, man. Right. And again, it, I'm not going to consider the alternative. They need to bring back Ant, and they need to build around him uh, as they continue to build around Dame. All right, Yusuf Nurkic is number seven in our final topic. Yusuf Nurkic is out for likely the rest of the season because of plantar fasciitis. We all agree this injury is more about the Blazers' tank Mm -hmm. than it is actually about Nurkic's heel, but it does bring up Nurkic's injury history. In eight NBA seasons, I crunched the numbers. Nurkic has played 411 games out of 637 possible games, Mm. which means he has missed, over the course of his career, 35% of his team's games because of injury. There's probably a few games thrown in here and there that weren't because of injury, but most of them are for injury. It seems clear now that the Blazers are going to re-sign Nurkic this summer, I believe. So, are you worried or not worried about the Blazers committing more years to Nurkic as their starting center when he has a history over eight seasons of being available for only about 65% of his team's games? That's fair to be concerned, man. Um, We've discussed that topic with Nurkic at nausea. Yeah. Like for the past few years that, you know, his availability is so key to the success of this team because he covers up a lot of their defensive woes. He is such an important part of this team. Um, I don't question what he is when he's on the court. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. You know, like he has his moments where he makes mistakes, foul trouble, yeah. etc. Get all that. But generally, when he's out there, you got yourself like a top 10 center. I think so. Yeah. Maybe even better. Yeah. And so I think that the front office is banking on that a little bit with this. And, you know, we kind of joke about it and we don't know. This isn't like us reporting, but I'm sure there is some understanding with this. Uh, plantar fasciitis that all right Nurk we're going to shut it down but here's here's what we're going to work out here's here we've got an idea for you and clearly Nurk is on is on board with whatever this is um, or you would think so so I don't know if you're going to be able to bring in somebody better and if you can work out a deal that makes Nurk happy but is also beneficial for this team um, and that salary cap and, you know, trying to build other pieces around. If you can get Nurk um, at a deal that works for everyone, I think this is a not worry situation. But the injury slash availability is always going to be there. That is what you sign up for with Nurkic. But man, when he's out there, he's good. For the sake of, of picking a side, like, like we've had to do in some of these, which are tough, Jared, uh, I'm going to say not worried because I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm signing up for. Whether I like it or not, this is who you're rolling with. And for that, my final answer, not worried. But check back with me you know, next season when we're frustrated about something. That, yeah, that's where I stand is check back with me a little bit later because – Right. It's really hard for me to decide how worried I am a little bit worried about this. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to decide how worried I am until I know what the contract looks like mm-hmm. and what the Blazers do to put a, you know, a, a backup center. Yeah. Because if they give him four years, 80 million, I'm worried. 
if they give him like two years, 32, mm-hmm. you know, three years and 48, I'm not as worried because mm-hmm. those are, that's, that's a reasonable contract. And if they sign a legitimate backup center who can swing between, you know, playing those backup minutes and filling in and, you know, not allowing the Blazers to fall apart when Nurkic is hurt, then I'll feel better about it. But those are two big ifs. I yeah. don't know what that contract's going to look like this offseason. I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to be back with the Blazers. But I don't know what the contract's going to look like, and I don't know who they're going to have backing him up. Right. You know, for everything that has happened in, since he left Portland, when they had Ennis Cantor mm-hmm. as the backup center who could play those backup minutes and be happy with that but then fill in admirably when Nurkic was hurt, it, it, it worked. It was fine. It was okay. They got to the Western Conference Finals with Cantor as their starting center. But I just don't know what that's going to look like. So um, I'm worried. I'm not going to say how decide how worried I am until I know what it looks like this after this offseason. Yeah, I think so much of this is uh, incomplete, dude, yeah. be- because yeah. of that. Uh, again, what makes the <laughs> this offseason so intriguing Yeah, is there are so many moving pieces. And you know they're not done yet. Yep. So this is – we're going to look back and laugh at some of these, I think. <laughs> as we always do. <laughs> yeah, as things develop and unfold over, over the season. But, dude, I, I really like the premise of, of this segment. Um, I think it's a lot of fun, and I do think that um, people will have opinions yeah. on, on these topics, man. Cool. Let's finish with a listener question. Let's do it. So our good friend Mike in Japan. What up, Mike? Twitter. What up? who loves to reach out to us and talk to us about the Blazers and ask our questions. He said, I would be interested to hear what you think of Ben McLemore. He has been great for us this year, hasn't he? Is his strong performance this year going to earn him a big contract next year? Would the Blazers want to re-sign him? I, I want to hear what you have to say about this, Jared, because I'm sure you've <laughs> you've done a deep dive into Ben McLemore. Oh, Mike, man, I love you, but no, I'm, I, I, I don't. I don't see any of this. Listen, Macklemore is averaging nine points in about 19 minutes per game off the bench. He is a good three-point shooter for sure. He uh, has had some nice moments in this season, right? Nice, mo- nice moments. I mean, he's shooting 36% from three. He takes six a game. About 80% of his shot attempts are threes. I mean, that's what he does. But basically, three-point shooting is all he does well. I think he's a solid vet. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he's not a good rebounder. He's not a good playmaker. He's not a good defender. His defensive Raptor rating is third worst on the team among players who played at least 200 minutes this season. Only Cody Zeller, who you know is no longer with the team, and Trenton Watford have been worse. And so I do like McLemore as an outside shooter off the bench. When he gets hot, he can really help the team. On those nights when he hits you know, four three-pointers or more off the bench, and he's had 11 games like that this mm-hmm. season, he can really help the team in those games. But he's an otherwise flawed player with one great skill. And that skill is going to keep him in the league. But I don't think he's getting a big contract this summer. I mean, I honestly, he's probably going to sign for the veterans minimum, minimum again. I could see the Blazers bringing him back at that price next season mm-hmm. as an outside shooter off the bench. But I think if Portland wants to be a good team next season, uh, I don't think McLemore, if he does come back to Portland, gets a lot of playing time or will be much more than like a deep, deep rotation player at best. So I like McLemore. I think he's been a good pickup. Um, they've needed those minutes this season, especially. Um, but no, I don't think he's getting a big contract. And I think if the Blazers do bring him back, it's, you know, on a minimum deal as an end of the bench player. 
Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Jared kind of warned you uh, with, with this one. But, uh, yeah, man, um, I do agree with you. And I understand the, the love for him because he has been fun. And there he's have fun, been yeah. there have been games this season um, where he's given the Blazers a lift. And you're like, oh, man, he's hit some, you know, some timely shots and stuff like that. So I get it. And I can understand where his, his question was going. But I, I totally agree with you, Jared, that um, – He's not exactly what the Blazers are are looking for in a team that's hoping to make a run next season in the playoffs. The other thing is he's another 6-3 guard. So yeah. I don't know if we really yeah. need more of those. Though. Yeah. Uh, I like him. He's a solid vet. He's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? he's, he's fine. So, Dude, it was, it was good. Thank to be, you for the question. It was good. Yes. Keep, keep him coming, my man. Thanks for reaching out, Mike, in Japan on Twitter. And that goes for, for any of our listeners who want to get involved in the conversation. Hit us up. I'm at Orlando KGW. Where can they find you, Jared? Uh, at Jared Cowley on Twitter. Yeah, man. So let's do it. 20 games left in the regular season. Let's keep the tank going. Let's <laughs> yeah, see what happens because um, it's it's super. I'm find myself interested in it. Not I'm not watching Blazers games the way I was before. Yeah. But um, there still is a lot of intrigue around it. I'm certainly uh, scoreboard watching. Totally. Every, every night. <laughs> totally. It has more of a fantasy football vibe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> tank zone instead of red zone or something like yeah. that. We'll have to work out the, the branding on it. But, um, you know, we'll we'll keep hitting the tankathon and, and see where the Blazers land next. So, Jared, it's been real, man. Another great podcast in the books. Let's, let's run it back better than ever. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care, everyone. <laughs>